Welcome to this episode of TBR, a series of the EVPL Footnotes podcast. TBR stands for To Be Read, that pile of books sitting on your nightstand, bookshelf, or table just waiting to be read. This is the podcast for people who embody the phrase, so many books, so little time, and for those who want to ignite a love for reading. Every month, we'll be highlighting a few of the new items coming to the EVPL collection, from books to movies to our library of things. So thanks today for Kurt to join me. Kurt Etheridge, is, am I pronouncing that right? Yes. Okay. He works currently at? I work at EVPL Oakland. Okay. He's joining me to talk about all the books that we are looking forward to that are coming into our collection. Kurt, why don't you go first? So the first book that I'm really excited for is one actually that my daughter, who is two, will enjoy quite a bit. So it's Ballet Bruce, which is one of the many sequels to Mother Bruce by Ryan Higgins. It's a picture book. And in the first book, Mother Bruce, Bruce the Bear goes into the woods to try to find himself some eggs to make himself breakfast. And then the eggs hatch. Uh-oh. <laughs> and he finds himself the unwilling parent of a bunch of baby geese. And so then just the following titles are all about his adventures with his oh. terrible geese children. Um, <laughs> and he's very grumpy and it has these funny illustrations of this big grumpy bear. And he's doing all <laughs> of these parent things, but very unwillingly. So Ballet Bruce... Just the thought of Bruce the Bear wearing a tutu I delights mean, that me. That alone, the visual image is amazing. <laughs> yeah, so that that one's going to be great. Um, and I know my kid will love it, so I'm excited for that one. Well, anytime picture books come up, I always have to take an opportunity to mention my all-time favorite picture book. It's called Cinder Edna by Ellen Jackson. And it's, a, as you could probably guess, a retelling of the Cinderella story, and it's amazing. And we have it in our collection. It's not new, but it's awesome. So definitely worth reading. All right, so the book that I chose uh, as I was going through the list of new items coming in was Augusta Hawk by G.M. Mallier. And I have recently found myself getting more into series. This was not something I typically did because I wanna, I read all over the place and I don't like getting caught into a series unless it's just unputdownable. But lately I've been doing more series. And so this is a book where a crime novelist finds herself embroiled in a real potential case. Her neighbors have gone missing. Their car has been found abandoned and she's trying to decide is this really a real thing or am I just thinking like a crime novelist or is this inspiration for a great new story or is something really bad going on? Right. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. And this is a book one of a series. So if it's really good, then I can look forward to more. Yeah. That's certainly something that I, I sometimes hesitate on series if they aren't completed because I like to be able to know how it's going to end. But that book sounds really interesting. It sounds like one I could see becoming, you know, developed for a Netflix exactly. movie or something exactly. at some point. I, it seems really cinematic. You so. know, you're right. I could see that happening as well if it, if it was well done. I mean, I guess they've kind of done that with Castle. You yeah. Know? But still, I like the fun variations of those kind of things. Oh, yeah. There's, there's plenty of room for more. Oh, yeah. All right. What's next on your list? So next on my list, I've got uh, Juvenile Nonfiction. So this book is If You're a Kid Like Gavin, and it's the true story of Gavin Grimm, who as a teenager was barred from using the 
boys' restroom at school. Uh, he's a trans boy. Mm-hmm. And he ended up filing suit. And his case went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And eventually the Supreme Court upheld his case. And so this book isn't just about that, but it's about what kind of choices you make as, even as a kid to stand up for yourself and what right. you know is right. right. You know, how do you do that? How do you stand up for yourself when mm-hmm. other people aren't treating you the way you know you should be treated? Right. And I, I love seeing juvenile nonfiction handled in this way where it's a book for kids and it's got that little bit of history in there, a little right. bit of information. But then it also gives kids practical ways Ooh. to handle their own situations, you know, and not every kid is going to run into a situation so serious that they end up at the Going Supreme to the Court. Supreme Court, right. But most kids run into bullying. Most yes. kids run into situations where their friends or their family are acting in a way that they don't think is right. Right. And so I think I just think it's really important for kids to have that those kind, kind of, of tools. Yeah, yeah exactly. I I agree. We are learning that it's really important that kids know how to take a stand and have boundaries because we've grown up in previous generations where you don't tell an adult no. Yeah. And that has been obviously disastrous in some cases. Yeah. And so it's learning when and how to make those stands when you need to. Yeah. And that's that's something that I really want my my own kid to know. Of course. And so that's I I just always like seeing books like that come in. They might not be for every kid, but they will be for some kids. Some kids will really, really need that book. Yeah. That sounds really good. So the next book is The Book of Gothel. By Mary McKinney. And I am a big fan of retellings. Uh, I like folk tales and fairy tales that have taken a new spin. And that's basically what this one is. It's a play on the Rapunzel story that incorporates the origin story of the witch that keeps Rapunzel trapped in the tower. And what was interesting was I was recently gifted a copy of this book. Well, it was like I had an option of several books and I was kind of trying to be selective because I could just take home all the books and I'm trying (laughs) to have a little restraint. So I picked up that book just because it looked really interesting. And as I was skimming through our list to prepare for this podcast, I I saw the title and I looked it up and I'm like, oh, it's that book I got, you know, but I really do like retellings. I like re-examining yeah, the I, lessons and the ideas and the concepts. Yeah, that's something that really interests me too. The idea of just shifting that lens a little bit, yes, you know, yes. because we're so used to the traditional. I mean, you said Rapunzel, and I immediately knew right. the story. Everybody knows that of story. Course. But what if it were a little different, or right. what if you looked at a different point of view? So that's that's fascinating to me. I watched the Disney movie of Rapunzel. And there's this one scene that cracks me up, but I also feel like, wow, this is so very accurate. And it was where the prince has broken Rapunzel out. And so she's doing this alternating, wee, I'm free. And she's dancing through the fields (laughs) because she's free. And then it cuts to her sobbing, I'm a terrible daughter, I've abandoned her. And I'm like, I think if you were locked up forever, that would be more or less your reaction. It's like a combination of finally being free, but also terrible guilt that 
this this relationship, even though it was an unhealthy one, it's the one you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and even, I mean, even if you're a teenager who has a decent relationship with your parents, when you're leaving to go to college right. or strike right. out on your own, there is this moment of guilt like, yeah. oh, wow, I'm leaving my parents behind. Yes, this exactly. is weird. And so, yeah, that that one you're happy really but funny. you feel bad because you're happy about it yeah yes, exactly. and it's like oh my gosh like what the heck yeah. <laughs> so. so yeah i enjoy that all right what else are you thinking about so the next title that i'm i'm really looking forward to it's been on my tbr list for a while it's called night of the living res and it's by morgan talty and so Morgan Talty is a citizen of the Penobscot Indian Nation, mm. uh, which is in Maine. Okay. And I actually, when I first heard of this book, I saw the word Penobscot and my brain went straight to all of Stephen King's works that are set in Derry, Maine, oh, which is in that same area. I see, and I was I see. like, hmm. And so I got really curious. And so this book, it's actually a debut collection. Uh, so it's a short story collection. And it's from that indigenous perspective. So in the collection, the author tells stories of family and community in magical realism, almost mm. kind of speculative. And so there's stories like there's a grandmother who has dementia and she starts projecting the past onto her grandson. Mm. There's one where there are a couple of friends who get inspired by Antiques Roadshow and try to steal from the tribal museum oh. to sell. Mm -hmm. and that is not okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, but it's written from this indigenous perspective. Right. And so I'm really interested in that. And I also really like short story collections. I have ADHD and sometimes I struggle to focus on longer form stories. Right. But if you have a short story collection, then I can read a story. And then be done. Right. And take a break. And so I'm, I'm very excited for that. And I'm excited that our library collection includes things like short story collections, which might not be what you typically expect. Mm -hmm. But then it just it just adds so much variety. I, I really like a good short story collection. And for much of the same reason as you, sometimes for me, time was a factor. Yes. And there would be sometimes long interruptions between reading sessions, as it mm -hmm. were. But if I had a collection of good short stories, I could complete a story. And even if it was a couple of weeks before I could pick that book back up again, I wasn't like having to go, wait, where did we leave off? Right. So yeah. I, I can definitely appreciate that. When I had three small children at home, time was yeah. in, non-existent. Yeah. <laughs> I, I work full time and parent full time and am in grad school and there's, oh. there's simply no time for no, no. longer things. So let's sleep. Who cares? I don't know. No, there's no such thing as sleep. And so, yeah, yeah no, I really appreciate having short story collections yeah. to read. All right. So the next book I've chosen is a nonfiction book. I like to always choose something from the nonfiction collection, which I also really enjoy. And this one is actually written by uh, the co-host of a podcast that I used to listen to. And I believe the podcast name and the title are the same. Cults Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Join Them by Max Cutler. Ooh. Yes. I... I want to be clear that I don't like cults. Right. Cults are bad. Right. I am fascinated yes. by reading about them. I mean, watching, I watch all kinds of investigation discovery yes. and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm interested I'm to hear more about that. fascinated with that. I really enjoyed reading Educated mm -hmm. by Tara. 
I want blanking on her Westover. name. Westover. Westover. That was it. And I also watched the Netflix show and read the original book called Unorthodox. Yes. You know? With, mm-hmm. And there's just, it's so easy to think, well, I would never, you know. And I, I feel like examining these cults really show how subtle and insidious they can be. Yeah. And people have said in the past that people sometimes will join gangs for a sense of community and, and belonging. And I mm-hmm. feel like people join cults for the same type of reason. I'm sure there's no one reason, but I can see that being a big factor. No, and that's definitely something that, um, I mean, it's it's human nature to want to belong. Exactly. One of the most recent... It's not entirely cult centric, but uh, the local author Shauna K. Rodenberg, mm-hmm. uh, her book Kin, right, deals in part with for a time when she was very young, her family was part of a commune kind of cult oh, called, interesting. The, I believe, called the Body up in sort of the Great Lakes area, mm-hmm. and then they moved, they left, right, mm-hmm. they left that cult and moved back to her family's home in mm-hmm. Appalachia mm-hmm. and had to then continue to deal with the fallout of that experience and, yes. and other things. Yes. But, you know, it really was about, you know, her father was in Vietnam. Uh-huh. And so came back from that, had come from this background of, you know, just the inherent trauma of of all of that. Right. And so he really was, you know, looking for looking for a place to belong. And I and I really think that's true of a lot of people. And that's why cults fascinate me. You know, yeah. I don't I'm not really worried about the leaders. That's I don't care. They're terrible, but yeah. the people, right. just the ordinary exactly. people in these families. Yes. And well, I read um, a couple of the books and watched several like TED talks of former members of the Westboro Baptist Church. Ah. You know, and and it's very fascinating, like you say, to understand what was the thinking and and the truth is most of the members that. I've read or have left were brought up in it. Right. And then as they got older, had a reexamination. I think the founder's oldest son, the minute he turned 18, yeah. he, he like had his boxes in the car and was gone. Ready to go. Yeah. You know, so, but you know, but then for someone who's older, who's looking for something or for meaning, you know, it's, it can be very persuasive, especially if they have a message that closely resonates with something you yes. believe in, which could be anything on the spectrum. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's a fascinating, I, and I get that you don't like cults, but I mean, I don't like crime, but I watch a lot of true crime yes. stuff. So <laughs> yes, no, that's definitely the, it's, it's just, I think because it would be so easy for that to happen to right. any right. of us. That's yeah. why it's fascinating. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. How did how did normal people get persuaded into extreme situations? Yeah. You know? Exactly. And usually it's little by little. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Next on your list. So this is this is a pretty abrupt tunnel shift here, but uh, I'm actually really excited. So Gail Gibbons, who does. Children's nonfiction. Yes, yes. Beautiful art, um, generally about nature, very informative. There have been a lot of updated versions of her books coming out recently. I grew up reading those books, mm-hmm. but of course, science is one of those things where we're always learning more. Right, exactly. We're always discovering more. And so I'm really excited. Uh, Gail Gibbons has a book about owls coming out, and oh, I nice. believe it's a re release, reworked version. So 
prior to working at EVPL, mm-hmm. I worked at Wesselman Woods. Oh, And neat. part of my job was to work with the owls. Oh. And I they're just fascinating. And they're very funny. I will say most owls I have met are not very smart. <laughs> but... So much for the wise old owls. Yeah. No, that's a myth. Um, <laughs> I have the primary concern is survival, which of makes course, sense. Of course. But they're just so interesting and so expressive most of them yeah. are um and gail gibbons writes in a way that doesn't talk down to kids which i appreciate i as do a kid. too i do too i i hate that tone of talking down to even when i'm just an observer it irritates me so much yeah <laughs> and so i that's one that um i'll probably check out when it comes out but then i i will probably purchase for my child's collection mm-hmm, just because mm-hmm. i like to have well-researched books for my kid that are also fun right and i mean those illustrations are so fun so i'm excited for that yeah that sounds neat all right going along with our tonal shift here um i'm interested in the book the daughter of dr moreau and this is by sylvia moreno garcia who you may or may not know was also the author of mexican gothic yes which was of course really really popular and one more of those books on my tbr that i will get to eventually <laughs> yes you should it's excellent uh and i love gothic fiction so i mean i'm kind of surprised at myself that i haven't read it but this of course is a takeoff of the original book the island of dr moreau right which was by hg wells and this kind of actually ties in with my last title of cults, because even though it's not a cult type scenario, it's this doctor who is basically creating what's called hybrids by incorporating both animal and human creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, but incorporated with that is that they will always obey him completely. Yes. And that, of course, smacks of the whole cultish mindset of yeah. this army of uh, you will do whatever I tell you no matter what it is. And so, of course, as the title suggests, this is about his daughter growing up, living in this situation, and this handsome young man that comes and visits them and this chaos that he unwittingly creates when he arrives. Right. I think it's interesting that, so not only are you connecting this to cults, right? And right. this girl is essentially growing up in that cult as exactly. his daughter. But also, this sort of ties into your interest in retellings as well. Agreed. Agreed. Which which I do. I love a good retelling, as long as it's well done. Right. I've seen people and I'm like, we just didn't have any ideas of your own, so you just went with that. Yeah. But I do love a good retelling, whether it's a, a new tale of Sherlock Holmes or the retelling of a folktale, you know, things like that. And so I do like taking a, a classic like that and bringing it forward into the modern day and reexamining it with the mindset that we are in now, as opposed to the one that it was originally written. Right. On. Yeah. And I, and I also, I will say, I really like books told from the kid's perspective you know you have this this character that we know about and you have their kid Mm -hmm. um and i like that because kids have such a different perspective of their parents yes you know when you're really young you're like oh well my parents know everything right and then you get a little older you start to have that doubt that creeps in and that's just fascinating to me um and also it's interesting to see sometimes how characters can act so differently around their kids sometimes yes. only for their child yes. do they act this way so that's interesting because that adds dimension to characters who otherwise 
might not have a lot of dimension. So that that's one I may have to check out as well. Yeah, I like those those layers and layers of what drives and what affects and what changes. So the last thing I'm incorporating is not from our book collection, but from our library of things. And not so long ago, we added an ice cream maker. Yes. <laughs> and so I have placed it on hold. It's a, It's got a bit of a waiting list, so it won't happen right away. But I have not made homemade ice cream in probably decades. Oh, yeah. we. I used to make homemade vanilla ice cream with my mom when I was maybe in elementary school, maybe mm-hmm. even younger than that. And it always turned out a little bit wrong. I mean, it was delicious, but there right. was something was not right. So growing up, whenever we would make it, it always seemed especially soft. Yes. And so I thought, is that just the nature of homemade ice cream? Maybe it just maybe. is. But I'm just really curious because a lot of times, you know, maybe that recipe that was common at that time did just generate soft ice cream. But I love how food science marches on. And so things that we used to just go, well, that's just the way it turns out. Now they've come up with these really creative minds going, hey, if you tweak this or add that or do this, you get a better product. Yeah. And one of the really cool things is with the internet, of course, you can find all kinds of different recipes. And within our collection too, we've got books that have the ice cream recipes and things. And that'd be really fun to test out. And not have to make the commitment to buying an ice cream maker. Yes. Because, like, I don't want to necessarily own an ice cream maker. I'm not going to use it all the time. And I, frankly, don't have room in my house for it. Yeah. So that that's just really nice to be able to just check it out. Uh, one of the library of things, things that I checked out recently was a fondue pot. Oh. I only needed fondue once. Right. We were going to have a fondue night. And I was like, I don't need to own this. I'm not going to use it regularly. It's not worth the expense. But right. we have it at the library it was good. The yeah. fondue was really good. I'm excited that we're adding tools um, yes. so that one week in repair you need to do doesn't require a whole set of tools. Yeah. I like that very much. All right. Let's finish this off with what have you been reading? So one of the books that I've read recently um, is by an author who's originally from Owensboro. And I will give you full disclosure here. Lynn is also my friend. We met at Lambda Literary's Writer's Retreat for Emerging Voices in 2018. Mm -hmm. I read a very early draft of this book and then subsequent drafts. And now it's a book that exists in the world. It's The Best Liars in Riverview by Lynn Thompson, who is originally from Owensboro, Kentucky. And it's the story of, it's a middle grade novel. So it's for, it's got chapters. It's a sort Mm -hmm. of chapter book. Mm -hmm. And it's about this kid named a who is in junior high and a's best friend goes missing right at the end of the school year and nobody knows where he went except a does a doesn't know for sure but a knows that the two of them had been building a raft together and had talked about running away and so when a goes and sees that the raft is gone yeah and the thing is a lives in this small community and everyone talks to each other about everything. And A is really worried about, A is worried that the grown-ups will not know how to handle finding their friend. So A's friend has been bullied for seeming gay or being gay or, mm-hmm. you know, he's Appearing not out, gay. but right. Mm-hmm. And it's that middle school bullying and the adults haven't been taking care of it. Mm-hmm. And so A just doesn't, A doesn't trust them. Mm-hmm. And so A is like, no, I'm going to find him. He's my friend. That part is fascinating to me. I love it. The 
tone is amazing. But also, I mean, I recognize half the places in this, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Lynn writes about the heat, you know, the heat yes. and humidity of the summer and what that yes. feels like walking along the road. And like, We're experiencing that right now. <laughs> uh-huh. Ugh, gross. And then also, at one point, they're near Mammoth Cave, oh, which is where yeah. I went a lot as a kid, mm-hmm. and just all kinds of that stuff. It feels so similar to growing up here. And I know that I might seem biased because this is my friend, but it's genuinely, I mean, just an incredible book. That's neat. That's neat. I'm really excited. And what was the title again? The Best Liars in Riverview by Lynn Thompson. Lynn Thompson. That definitely sounds like something worth reading. So the book that I am currently in the middle of is The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. Mm. And uh, I actually had another book in mind to read next, but this one caught my eye. Someone described it to me as being similar in concept to the movie Rear Window. Oh. Which I love. I love that movie. And I've read other books based on that kind of idea. And so it's definitely very much, I'm in the middle of it and I don't want to give too much away, but I also don't know how it ends. But basically this actress in disgrace who is heavily drinking has been sent by her mother to uh, their lake house. Oh. And she's just, she's recovering from a terrible tragedy. She lost a husband that she loved very much. And at that lake, uh, he drowned in the lake. So I don't think I'm giving too much away. And she, there's only a few other houses, but she's befriending them. And uh, right straight across the house, or right across the lake, because it's the house across the lake, is this big, beautiful house that's the front side of it is just almost all windows. So it is very much like living in a glass house. And because she's still recovering and because she's heartbroken and she's drinking heavily, she is sitting out on the porch and she just, out of boredom and curiosity, picks up the birding binoculars that her husband left behind and stunned starts watching but she also makes friends with the family and the one the woman in the family is a supermodel and so all of a sudden there's this one morning where a scream is heard and she's already observed some things that she has found conserving both in person and with her observations through the binoculars that has made her go whoo i don't know what's going and after that scream that one morning her friend is no longer around oh no and so it's this whole what has happened to her Mm. and obviously her first thought is the husband but what's really going on right and so that's as much as i want i i could give a little more detail but i don't want to because i don't want to throw out too many spoilers but i'm definitely to a very uh fascinating point and um i'm i'm looking forward to see how this is going to end yeah i might have to check that one out i've always found those houses that have those big windows. I'm like, that's so pretty. And then I'm like, uh, anybody could see anything. I mean, my house is never clean enough for that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. And just that, that's fascinating. And being out on that lake too, you're kind of isolated. Yes, exactly. There are not, there are a couple of other families, but of course everybody's aware of her issues. Right. And so I think there's this level, especially for people who've known her previously of, we care about you, but we don't know how seriously to take some of your ideas. Yes. So there's just that layer of credibility not being 100%. So 
Anyway, thank you for joining me today, Kurt. I'm so glad to hear your thoughts and your ideas and the things that you've been reading. Uh, definitely adds to uh, my pile. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> <laughs> it never ends. Hey, thank you for having me. You're welcome. TBR is a series of the EVPL Footnotes podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe for more great episodes. For comments or questions, our email address is podcast at evpl.org. 